Nicholas was the bishop of a town in Turkey. Uh, he was a kind man and apparently a generous man. And uh, he especially helped young girls uh, who, in order to get married, needed a dowry, and his, their parents could, just couldn't afford it. And so he provided a dowry for them. At least that's the story. From Religion News Service, this is Beliefs, an exploration of ideas behind the news of religion. I'm Bill Baker. To be at this time of the year and not talk about Christmas seems most inappropriate. So we are talking about Christmas, but Christmas is a complex holiday, uh, even though it seems like quite a simple one. Our guest is Reverend Monsignor Alan Detcher, who is an expert in Catholic liturgy and pastor of St. Catherine of Siena Parish in Riverside, Connecticut. Monsignor, give us a little of the history of, of Christmas. I suppose for most people, as you go shopping these weeks, what you see is Santa Claus. Uh, so in our secular world today, Christmas is about Santa Claus, but obviously that's not what Christmas is really about. It's about the birth of Jesus Christ and the fact that most Christians would say Jesus Christ is their Savior. He is the Son of God. And what we celebrate is his birth into this world. The early church took time to develop what we would call a liturgical year, that is, the various feasts and occasions that reoccur each year. And Christmas probably was really not settled as a date until oh, the third, late third, early fourth century. Uh, at that time, there were individual celebrations, but most of the church year focused it around the uh, feast of uh, Easter. One of the things that happened very early was there was a, a feeling that uh, important events occur on major dates. And so the date of the death of Christ was also celebrated as the time of his birth. That doesn't make too much sense to us today, but the, the ancient world did. And so uh, in the West, at least, uh, the date of Christ's death was thought to be uh, March 25th. And you count nine months later, December 25th comes up. However, there was another practice or, or uh, understanding that uh, a feast was celebrated by the, the pagan Romans uh, on December 25th, celebrating the solstice, the winter solstice, the day was the shortest and began slowly the days to lengthen thereafter. And so Christmas was connected up with a pagan holiday, the Feast of Saul Invictus in Rome. Uh, we're not quite sure how the influences went, but that's the reality. In the East, the date of Christ's death was thought to be April 6th. And so nine months later is January 6th, which we today celebrate as the Feast of the Epiphany in the West, and yet it still has certain Christmas connections. Uh, we celebrate the, the three wise men and the star on Epiphany, but we also celebrate Christ's baptism and uh, his first miracle at Cana. The word Epiphany means manifestation, so these are manifestations, and the manifestation of Christ being the Savior is also Christmas. So all these feasts are connected together. 
What about Advent? How did that develop, and then even the Advent wreath? Advent, the Latin word means coming, and uh, for those who are Roman Catholics, the last several weeks of the liturgical year leading up to the Feast of Christ the King talked about the second coming of Christ, and the first two weeks of Advent repeat much of that same theme, kind of we end and we begin at the same theme. Christ will come again. And having done that, then we talk about his first coming. And so uh, as we look forward to the future, we also remember the past. Uh, Advent then is that time of preparing where we think of the past coming of Christ, but also look forward to his coming again uh, at the end of time. Uh, the Advent wreath is a custom that probably had pagan origins, probably uh, the Germanic uh, countries uh, began it. And it's a circle of evergreens with candles, four candles. The candles represent the four different uh, weeks of Advent. And uh, each week, another candle is lit until finally we reach Christmas when uh, all candles are lit and a, an additional candle is added, a Christ candle. But it's simply a reminder that we must prepare. And so uh, families in their homes have had a race. Now churches have them. And it's a very visual way of marking the time of preparation for the Feast of Christmas. Please discuss the nativity and uh, the nativity scene, the creche. How did all that come about? Traditionally, uh, St. Francis of Assisi is uh, credited with starting the nativity scene, or the manger scene, as it's sometimes called. Uh, according to the Gospels, Jesus was born uh, behind a, uh, a hotel, uh, if, or in, probably the better term of the time, in a stable. And there was no place for them to prepare for Mary's birth of Christ. And so uh, she had her child in this back stable and placed him in the manger. Uh, St. Francis, having reflected on this, uh, set up the first manger scene, and he also did it uh, with people. So we had Jesus, Mary, and Joseph represented in animals, and it was a nice way for people to put the gospel into a very living uh, relationship with them. They, they could see the events, and they could see the people. Um, so the manger scene is important. Most churches have one. Uh, our church has a rather large one out in front of the church, as well as one inside. And most families uh, that are practicing Catholics uh, have some form of manger scene. It's just a nice visual way of reminding what the feast is all about, the birth of the Savior. The uh, These days, uh, the big feature of the Christmas holiday is St. Nicholas, whom I assume was in the past really a minor figure, <laughs> But uh, in the in terms of uh, of uh, the Christmas holiday, uh, how does he fit in? I think we generally know, but how does he, from a historical point of view, fit in? And uh, do you think there's really almost too much emphasis on him these days? Two years ago, I had the opportunity to travel with a, a group from our parish to Italy, and we went to the city of Bari, which is in the southern part of Italy, uh, to the Basilica of San. St. Nicholas, San Nicola. And um, that is where his remains are. Uh, they were brought there probably by uh, 
crusaders or others who stole them. Uh, but the reality is they are there and they are highly venerated. And now Christians from the East, the Eastern churches, the Orthodox churches often come. And in fact, some of the relics were sent to the East a couple of years ago by Pope Francis, uh, which was greatly appreciated uh, by the Christians in that part of the world. Nicholas was the bishop of a town in Turkey. Uh, he was a kind man and apparently a generous man. And uh, he especially helped young girls uh, who, in order to get married, needed a dowry, and his, their parents could, just couldn't afford it. And so he provided a dowry for them, at least that's the story. Uh, and so his notion of giving gifts to help others became uh, kind of the, the, the thing that we associate with him. And St. Nicholas uh, came to the United States by the Dutch and uh, uh, Santa Claus became the, the Dutch name uh, that he was known by. Uh, eventually, uh, the religious contexts in this country were lost. Uh, the, the suit that Santa Claus wears, wears is basically an abbreviation of Episcopal robes. And in parts of Europe still, uh, Santa Claus is dressed as a bishop. He even carries a, the crozier, the staff of the bishop. Uh, and wears the vestments of a bishop. Uh, so it's probably unfortunate that we've lost in this country its origins, and so Santa Claus becomes more important. But St. Nicholas would always point out that Christ is more important, and we're celebrating his birth, not him. Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. I assume variously celebrated in the Christian world. What are the differences? What are the common points? Uh, and... It also seems that uh, Christmas has become one of the two most dominant Christian holidays. Maybe it shouldn't be. I'd be interested in your thoughts on all of those things. Well, let's start with the last first. The basic Christian holiday is Easter. And much of the church's year uh, is determined by the date of Easter. Easter uh, is also related to the Jewish Passover. And so... uh, there are connections between both celebrations. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Easter is not always observed the way it should be in this country, at least. And so holidays like Christmas become more important. But uh, the fact that we celebrate uh, on Easter the death and resurrection of Christ and that process of his dying for us begins, first of all, with his birth coming into the world. So there is a relationship, and there's always been a relationship between Christmas and Easter. But the date of Easter is flexible depending upon uh, the when the full moon occurs, when Passover occurs, uh, whereas the date of Christmas is a fixed date. Uh, and, and so we, we, we celebrate Christmas always on December 25th, and the only difference is the fact of when Advent starts, which is uh, related to the, the calendar date of Easter. So it gets a little complicated, but uh, Christmas has become a secular holiday. And unfortunately, it's, been, it's lost much of its religious content. The giving of gifts is, is just a reminder that uh, Christ is the gift of God to his people 
and the gift that Christ gives is his own death and resurrection that we might uh, have new life through him. Um, the uh, celebration of Christmas Eve arose from the fact that in Semitic cultures, in, uh, in Judaism, the day begins with sundown the previous day. Uh, and so, uh, especially for Catholics in, in recent years, we've restored the so-called vigil celebration that, that begins at sundown the evening before a feast. Uh, the first Mass of Christmas traditionally was the Midnight Mass, and uh, that continued on for many, many centuries. Now in most of our parishes, we have a Mass or a celebration that begins uh, Christmas evening, and there might be one or more. Here we have four Masses at Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock, and uh, we see more people that evening than we see any other time. Uh, we also have a family mass at seven and we have the midnight mass. Uh, so uh, Christmas is gets celebrated on Christmas Eve. And one of the unfortunate things is a Christmas day, we have less people because they've all come the evening before. And so they're celebrating Christmas day at home with their families with under the tree and all the gifts and those things. Christmas Day also has its own proper celebrations. The first one at dawn require, recalls the uh, shepherds, and you sometimes will call the shepherd mass, in fact, in the past. And then the third celebration uh, is the Christmas Day mass itself, and um, that usually follows in the, the latter masses of Christmas Day. Uh, many churches don't have celebrations on Christmas Day uh, that, are, that are Protestant uh, according to, to their own traditions, but they do celebrate Christmas uh, at least uh, at the same time or at least a vigil service, uh, an evening service on Christmas Eve, sometimes with candlelight, which is also found in Catholic churches. You'd mentioned the uh, Christmas tree. Uh, I believe its origins are really German. But uh, what do we know about that, and how did all that happen? I, I believe it came to America, uh, really in my hometown, Cleveland, Ohio, from Germany. But I don't know really much more about it than that. Uh, one of the ones who traditionally are, are attributed to setting up Christmas trees is Martin Luther. And um, in Europe, often the trees had, had candles on them. Uh, that's the origin of the Christmas tree lights. Needless to say, putting candles on a tree that might be getting dry because it's been cut down is not the greatest idea. And so uh, the the candles were replaced by light. And so we, we now have Christmas trees all decorated with lights, but also with ornaments. It was a way of um, talking about Christ as the light of the world coming among us. And... Um, concrete way of having something physical to remind us of that. At the end of the Christmas season uh, is the Feast of Epiphany. Tell us about that, please. Well, for the, at least for the Western churches, uh, Epiphany kind of ends the Christmas season. Actually, uh, for at least for Catholics, it gets prolonged by the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord and uh, the Feast of the uh, 
uh, of Cana, the first miracle of Christ at a wedding. These are all traditionally manifestations. Uh, the story that's found in the, the New Testament is of wise men coming from the east following a star. Um, some places they're called astrologers. They may have been uh, members of a Persian religion that uh, looked at the stars and celebrated uh, light as being divine. And uh, the story has them coming, looking for the, the Savior, looking for this child who was born. And King Herod finds out and gets kind of upset. And so he wants to find out the child where the child is and ultimately uh, kill the child to protect himself and his his reign. Uh, but the wise men uh, avoid him and eventually return home without telling him. And one of the tragedies that happened was uh, he went about, that is Herod, went about uh, killing children under, under a certain age in the area near Bethlehem in order to protect himself from this so-called savior that he thought was going to uh, destroy his uh, his kingdom. Um, we don't have much non-biblical material about that, but it's certainly a, a reminder that uh, Christ's coming into the world is not just for one group of people or for one nation, that he is recognized in Epiphany as being the savior of all people. And the use of light, the star, following the star, is one of those uh, kind of eternal symbols of, of God. Light is very important. And Jesus is the light of the world, uh, as the scriptures remind us. So Epiphany is a, a celebration of Christ being manifested to the world by the uh, star and by the magi uh, and also by the angels uh, that greet his birth. But also uh, the church continues the celebration on by talking about the first public view of Christ and of what he has to say and do with his baptism in the Jordan. And then finally, the first miracle where he shows that uh, he's not just a simply an ordinary person, but has the power of God. And so those three events form Epiphany. In the East, by the way, Epiphany is primarily the celebration of the baptism of Christ. Epiphany is on the 6th of January, uh, and in many of the Eastern churches, the baptism is what's celebrated, but also the birth of Christ. And unfortunately in our society, Christmas ends Christmas Day. Uh, the stores start taking the decorations down the day after, uh, whereas uh, Christmas... Remember the old song uh, about the 12 days of Christmas? Well, that was it. There were 12 days between Christmas Day and Epiphany. And so each day was celebrated as Christmas, for the, each one had a different gift. The, the gifts aren't important, but the fact is it was a reminder that the birth of Christ is not just one moment, but we celebrate it for a period of time, and then Epiphany ends that period of time, and we go back to what uh, the calendar refers to now as ordinary time, not ordinary uh, in a sense of uh, just being nondescript, but the, the sense of our lives are ordinary time, where we uh, simply reflect upon Christ and what he has done for us and listen to his teachings. Reverend Monsignor Alan Dutcher, uh, thank you for this uh, history lesson. It's a good one at this time of the year.
uh, Christmas. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. The conversation continues on our Facebook page, and we tweet at Beliefs Podcast. Whatever you think of us, come review or comment on our website, religionnews.com slash beliefs. Beliefs is brought to you with the support of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University. Jonathan Woodward is our producer. The theme music is by Edward Villas. I'm Bill Baker. Thanks for listening.